This morning we're going to begin a new series that we'll be looking at for the next few weeks. And it's titled, "The Sunday, the Connecting Sunday to Monday. And uh, the idea here is that we want to see how we can connect our Sunday worship to our Monday mornings. The thought that there is oftentimes in the life of the believer a disconnect between these two times. After we finish this service today and we walk out the doors, will the time that we have spent in this place together have any effect? Will it have any bearing on the other 168 hours of the coming week? Many of us struggle to find a connection, especially as it relates to our jobs, to our employment. And so that's going to be what we're looking at today and, Lord willing, over the next couple of weeks. The idea of making that connection, seeing how God has placed us in these other roles, in these other pursuits in life for a purpose, and that, uh, that there is a great and grand purpose behind it. A professor at Princeton University, Dr. David Miller, who directs their Faith and Work Initiative, said it this way, Many who are Christians complain of a Sunday-Monday gap, where their Sunday worship hour bears little to no relevance to the issues they face in their Monday workplace hours. If we think about it, it really doesn't matter what kind of job we have or what our responsibilities are. There can be difficult times in trying to connect our faith with our daily responsibilities. The introduction this morning is that I want us to see that there can be a disconnect. A disconnect between the Sunday worship and the Monday morning. And as I look out, I know that, that there are many that, that, that may be listening and wondering if this series will have anything for you. And I would say this, regardless of your vocation and responsibilities that you have in life, the gospel of Jesus Christ affects and impacts every other arena of life. So if you work construction or you teach in a classroom, if you are a homemaker or, a pro, or if you are a computer software engineer, if you manage people or if you are a student in the classroom, this is a series that I think could speak to you. And I know that some are saying, well, what about if I've already retired from my job? I want you to listen. Because I think that there is some unique opportunity for you and what we're going to be thinking about over the next, excuse me, the next few weeks. And I would answer the question by saying that everyone still has responsibility and opportunity. Even if your vocation has changed or you've gone into retirement, would you still see that you have opportunity and responsibility? And so I think that, that what we're looking at here is a broader perspective. Even though I'll use the words work or, or vocation or calling, the idea is to say, is to see that we don't live <clears throat> as believers a compartmentalized life. Where this is Sunday morning and this is the worship hour and then this is the work or this is the family or this is the neighborhood, but that instead all of it is encompassed by Jesus Christ. And that he is, he is in all of that. And He has a plan and a purpose for each of those arenas as it impacts your life. So the next few weeks we're going to be, look at, be looking at principles that I think could be a great encouragement. 
And I hope that they will be principles that we can communicate to others so that as a church family, we're able to see beyond these walls and to see into those other hours of our life and to see God surging through us and working through us and influencing others and blessing others through our daily lives. The topic of work. When it's raised, there are some questions that come to mind. And I know the meaning of work, the purpose of work. As the video said, we might even think of work as being a punishment, right? As a result of sin. But today I hope that we can have a different view of work. That God would redeem that view in our minds. That the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel about redeeming a fallen people. And it is only in the gospel that the pieces of life can be put back together again. And Christ cares about our spiritual lives. But do you realize that He cares about the rest of our life as well? I was speaking in a chapel service at Missouri Baptist University a few weeks ago. And I said, I said to the students, yes, Jesus cares about your spiritual life. The trajectory that you will have in your, in your walk with Him. But He also cares about every other aspect of your life too. And I think that, that, that so oftentimes we can compartmentalize the way we view that walk with Christ and see how it, how it affects our, our walk in, uh, in church or our responsibilities or, or involvement here. But it doesn't stop here. In fact, this is only a very, very small sliver of where our real responsibility, where our real mission lies. It's not in these walls. It's part of it, but it's just a small part, as I think we will see in the coming weeks. Do you realize that if a person works 40 hours a week for 40 years, that they will have a work span of more than 80,000 hours? Now, aren't you glad you came this morning to hear that? You are welcome. I'm glad, glad to put that uh, in your mind. <laughs> that's, that's a big chunk of our life. If you, look at, if you look at the hours we spend in church versus the hours we spend in work or in other responsibilities, if you want to see it that way, you see that there is a, there's a big contrast in the amount of time that we spend in these other pursuits. And so I believe it's time that as a church and as believers, we understand how we can connect our faith to the rest of that time. Here's how David Platt said it. He said, one of our greatest needs in the church is an understanding of how daily work, according to God's word, ties in with God's ultimate purpose in the world. I haven't always understood that. I've not always counseled people real well in thinking through some of these, these uh, uh, questions that relate to vocation and calling and work. So I hope that, that as we work through this together, that we will all be able to look to the Word and see that God has a grander purpose for these pursuits. So let me ask you this morning, as we begin the series, how might your Monday morning, your Monday morning work, how might it look different if there was a stronger connection to your Sunday morning worship? Whatever those responsibilities might be through the week, they're very different. I realized that in the diversity of our congregation this morning. Those responsibilities are different, but we have them. And they should be and can be connected to the pursuit that we've had this morning in worship and in the Word. That's the purpose of the series. 
And by God's grace, I pray that He will realign our understanding of work to lift up our eyes above the everyday grind and see a greater and grand purpose behind it all. And I'll tell you, it is a gospel purpose. And it's His gospel saturated in our lives, in everything that we do. Sometimes people have trouble seeing the greater purpose. Even those who have been highly successful. Let me, let me put a picture up on the screen here. I know we've only got one screen today, but uh, you can see that. Do, do you all recognize that man? Does anybody recognize him? It's Tom Brady, right. He's got his fourth Super Bowl ring. He barely got it, right? It's a close call. But he, he okay, should have, should have. I, I hear what you're saying, but the bottom line is this. He got another one, didn't he? He's got four. Probably one of the most successful quarterbacks of the NFL ever, right? Do you realize he has a contract that's worth over $57 million? That's spread over a few years, but who cares? That's still $57 million, right? He's got a beautiful family, three kids. I read a little bit about some of the properties that he owns. Big house. One in California, I think. One in, in Massachusetts that I think they put a moat around it or something. And just, I mean, he's got, from the world's perspective, does he not have it all? Listen to an interview he gave to CBS. This interview is a, a year or two old, but this is what he said. Why do I have Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. But me, I think it's got to be more than this. I mean, this, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. And then the interviewer jumped in and asked Tom a question and said, well, Tom, what's the answer? And Brady responded, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. From the world's perspective, here's a man that has it all, and yet he still feels that emptiness. We need to find the greater purpose. We need to see how our walk with God connects to the rest of our lives. So yes, this is a series that focuses on work, but you understand it's beyond the workplace as we think about our purpose in life. As we attempt to bridge this gap between Sunday and Monday, we're going to look this morning at four principles from the Word of God. Very foundational principles going all the way back to the book of Genesis. So I invite your attention this morning to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look at a couple of verses in chapter 1. We're going to look a little bit in chapter 2. And that's where we're going to build our foundation for a, a, a realigned understanding, if you will. We're going to start in Genesis. And then we'll continue to look, Lord willing, in the next few weeks. Four principles. The first one is this. Number one, we need to view God as the divine worker. Or maybe God is the divine worker as he is seen in his creation. You might need to rewrite that a little bit. But understanding that God is the master builder. That God is an innovator. He is a creator. And that we see his handiwork in his creation. Look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He was not sitting idly by. He was right there involved in working in the creation. We can even see 
in part his glory in his created world. We looked at this a few weeks ago, the idea of of general revelation. That the the more and more that we can understand as humans about about this, this world or this universe and its complexities... The greater we see the, 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 uh, the magnitude of God, right? He is the creator. And he is a worker. And, and we see this all the way back in the opening verse of Scripture. So God is a divine worker. And secondly, we see that we as people have been made in his image. Do you see the connection there? The connection to, to productivity? The connection to, 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 to understanding the special responsibilities and opportunities that have been given to us that have not been given to other creatures. We are a special part of His creation because we were created in the Imago Dei, in the image of God. We've been given something that, that, that other creatures in the animal world were not given. We're very different, very distinct, and we have special responsibility. Look down at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Speaking here in the plural, because this in the Hebrew is a, is in thinking of the deity, this word is, is used in the plural tense, thinking of the magnitude of this being God. So it's not necessarily a reference to the Trinity, although... We definitely see references to the Trinity in Scripture. But it just shows the, the magnitude of God, the Creator. Speaking of making man in His image. Don't miss that. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the heavens. And over the livestock. And over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It's reiterated here in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So when God created humans, male and female, he created them differently than any other part of creation. Made in his image. You can can walk away from this text saying, I am an image bearer of God. Doesn't mean that I'm God, but I've been given part of his image to reflect that into this world differently than anything else that he's made. So we, we, if, if we are called to be his image bearers and we see that he is a God who has created, who has innovated, whose handiwork is seen in the creation, we see the natural connection of our purpose in life to be productive to see opportunities and be caretakers. Special responsibilities here. Look at verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Do you see the special responsibility there? I, I, I want to use the word stewardship. Because God owns it, but He's he's asked us to care, to manage, to have responsibility with His creation. But our responsibility doesn't end there. Let's flip over to chapter 2. Beyond seeing God as a creator and beyond seeing us with special responsibilities as being created in His image, we see, number three, that God's original design for people 
included work. This may surprise you. Look at chapter 2, verse 5. Now, you know, as, as Genesis opens, there's a, there's a section that speaks of creation there in chapter 1. And then as we go back to chapter 2, it's, 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 it's stated again. And so this particular verse is now speaking back to the time before man was created. Look at verse 5 with me. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground. Now there's a lot of things we could say about that verse. Verse 5. But one thing that I want to pull out of it is that, that at the point of creation, at the point in which God was putting the world in order, even the plant life, there is a notation here that there was no man, no human there to do what? To work the ground. So it's as if as part of God's design, He wanted there to be humans to work the ground. Even before they were created, there was a need for people to work. We were designed for productivity. We were designed to work, to care for God's world. As chapter 2 continues, we get a more in-depth look at the human being as a worker. Look down at verse 15. It says, The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Now, let me ask you a quick question. Is this before or after sin has entered the world? Before. Now, sometimes when we talk about work, we make a real quick connection to sin, don't we? <laughs> and let's not deny it. Sin has impacted work, hasn't it? By the sweat of your brow, on and on. We know that, that when the world fell into sin, that work was impacted, Right? But we can't say that work was caused by sin, can we? We were created to work. Before the fall, before the fall into sin, we were created as people who were to work, to have productivity. I want us to do a quick word study here. There's a Hebrew word in verse 15. And you won't want to miss this. I think this is so important. The word work that's translated in verse 15. Does anybody else have a different word in their version that's been translated other than work? What is it? Tend. Tend. Okay. Tend. Cultivate. Okay, that's one that I, that, I, that I found as well, but I didn't find tend. Avodah is the Greek word. Excuse me, the Hebrew word. And you can see up there six different ways it's been defined and, and, and translated from other verses in the Old Testament. Avodah is the word in the Hebrew that's used, translated work or tend or cultivate. In fact, it's used in several things. Let me give you a couple of examples. In Exodus chapter 1, when God's people were making bricks as slaves in Egypt, the back-breaking work was called Avodah. In Exodus chapter 35, when the, when the very creative artisans were, were, were using their special talents to build the tabernacle, do you know what word was used for their work? Havadah. The fine craftsmanship in 1 Chronicles 4 that's described of the linen workers, as it says they were, they were working their fine skills, same word is used. 
Avadah appears in the context of Solomon dedicating the temple. He's instructing the priests and the Levites about their service to God. And he uses the same word. Still recorded in Scripture. Same word. Here's what Tom Nelson... Here's how he took this word. He says, whether it is making bricks, crafting fine linen, or leading others in corporate praise and worship, the Old Testament writers present a seamless understanding of work and worship. How can that be? Right? You're probably asking the same question I am. How can there be a connection between worship and work? Here's the connection. Who is it that is receiving the worship? And to whom are we working for? Do you see that difference? It's a a worldview difference that only we as Bible believers can really come away with, right? Because we see that He's the one that receives both our worship and our service or our work. Tom Nelson, that quote comes from a book called Work Matters. Work matters. I'll, I'll make some resources available in the next few weeks, but, but that's where that quote came from. So we see the connection of work and service and worship. Do you find that interesting? Because you see, it, it doesn't present a compartmentalized view of our walk with God, does it? It shows a fuller perspective. Whether we are working and it's hard labor or whether it's serving in the temple, or whether it's worship. It's all for Him and for His glory, right? Avada carries the idea of work, service, and worship being done to Him. So we see that there is both a vertical dimension and a horizontal dimension. We'll, We'll be touching on that in the next few weeks. But we've seen the vertical dimension, right? That we're working unto the Lord. We'll also be looking at the horizontal dimension. Because we also, in these opportunities, are contributing to the common good of those around us. And when as believers, we understand that we are, we are contributing to the good of someone else and their life, we see the influence of the gospel that we can also have. The word Avadah teaches us. And it tells us that work can be seen as a form of worship. The summary here is that the same God who is the audience of our praise this morning is the same God who will be the recipient of our work tomorrow morning. Whatever your responsibility is, at the workplace, at the home, in the family, in the neighborhood, wherever those opportunities arise and develop that God gives to you. He will be the audience. So what we're trying to do is to recapture here the biblical way of understanding our lives, our calling, and it includes our vocation. It's a very different way of thinking than the way the world views our work. Well, quickly, let me give you one more point and then we'll wrap it up. And that is that the God who inhabits our worship also receives our work. So that's the fourth principle, if you will, that we're going to take away from this morning. We'll have more time in the, in the coming weeks to look at this. But I do want to jump over very quickly to the New Testament and give you a couple of passages that complement what we've just read in Genesis. 
The first one is in Ephesians 6, verse 5. It says, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Verse 7, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Do you see who it is that's receiving the person's work? Colossians 3, whatever you do, work heartily. Let me read that one more time. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. How would that not revolutionize tomorrow morning when we walk in? I know we have supervisors, we have people that we work with, colleagues, others that, you know, they may be turkeys and they may be difficult to work with. But sometimes we need to step back and say, you know, yes, we do respect their authority, but there is even an authority above them whom we're working for and whom we want to please with our lives. It goes on in that passage to say at the end of verse 24, you are serving the Lord Christ. Do you see that ancient concept of Avodah coming back up into these verses as well? That, that seamlessness of our work and our worship, our service, our faith. Another book called The Gospel at Work by Sebastian Traeger and Greg Gilbert says it this way. Do you realize that no matter what your job is, no matter what it is you do in it, no matter who your boss is or even your boss's boss, what you do in your job is actually done in service to King Jesus. Does that not change the way we look at the coming week? Well, as we wrap this up, I want to just ask, do you see, are you beginning to see this morning? Maybe you've already known this and, and this is not new for you, but maybe it's a reminder of looking at the week, looking at the days ahead and connecting our faith to our work. We've only looked at four principles this morning, but we'll look at others. But in these four principles, I've made one big assumption, one big assumption that I need to clarify before we close. I've talked about connecting our Sunday faith to our Monday work. This means that our Sunday faith includes an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we think about all this, I just want to ask, is Jesus Christ your Savior? Is He the one that you have called to, to be your Savior and your Lord? To be, we don't always use the word Lord in our, in our culture today, but just think of the word boss. Is He in charge of your life? Is He the one that's directing the affairs of your life? He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. And before we think about Monday to Friday, we have to think about that faith that we have in Him. It was emphasized yesterday at the banquet. And it's something that we need to continually emphasize. And that is that Jesus Christ has made the invitation for each and every one of us to know Him personally. To be forgiven of our sins and to call out to Him. If you've not yet done that, or if you have questions about what that means, when this service is over, I'll be waiting in a response area. Out the doors to the left. I would love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you about that. If you have other prayer concerns, if there's, if there's other needs in your life that you want someone to pray with you about, I, I'll be back there. Some deacons will be there as well. And we'd love to have that opportunity to pray with you when this service is over. Well, at this time, the ushers are going to come and receive the offering. So why don't we bow together and ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that it speaks to us even about the normal daily affairs of life. 
And God, I pray that you will help us as your church to not compartmentalize the way we look at life. But Father, may we have a renewed purpose, a renewed vision for what you have for us in this coming work week. In the way that we work and serve and also in the lives that we can that we can touch. We pray, Lord, that you will communicate your word to us in such a way that we can apply it. That we can be both hearers and doers of your word today. We pray for anyone that's at a point where they're making a decision spiritually, that, Lord, you would guide and direct. And, Father, we pray also for this offering that's being received, knowing that what we have and give back to you has first come through your hands. And so we give you thanks for it and we give it back, asking you to bless it and use it for your purposes today. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.